Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Missing Chapter podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. Before the advent of Amazon Prime Delivery, UPS, and FedEx, the U.S. postal system was the only option. It was a luxury and a necessity at the same time, a way to send information and a means by which supplies could be distributed throughout the nation. As a matter of fact, did you know that the U.S. Postal Service processes over 160 million pieces of first-class mail daily? It's hard to fathom. What's even more astounding, though, that in the mid-19th century, a package was delivered with a very heavy, fragile, and unexpected contents inside. It wasn't an ordinary delivery, and it isn't a typical day at the post office. It's a tale only history can conjure up, and it's today's second episode of Season 3. Welcome back to the Missing Chapter Podcast. Phil, it is season three. Can you believe it? I can't. I can't. And for all of our listeners at home or wherever you might be listening to our podcast today, we're back in the classroom officially. We've started our new school year. We invested in a new coffee pot, which is very exciting. (laughs) We're sitting down to Utica Coffee Roasting Company's flavored great pumpkin. Listen to this description, Phil. Ready? Yeah. Warm pumpkin spice paired with a sweet pastry. Can, I mean, huh? it's like a warm hug. Does in the it morning, scream you know I mean? fall more than that? Cheers, my friend. Cheers. It's exciting to be back, and it's exciting to be, you know, in front of the mic again. It is. It's and awesome. It, it really is. It was a great summer. Yeah, we had a great kickoff to season three with uh, Chris Bauer's episode, right. uh, episode one of season three. And one thing we we didn't mention in season one because we didn't want to take the 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 flame away from uh, Chris is that our goal we set for season two once we had season two kicked off last year is we got to get to another 30,000 listens in a season. And it was right down to the wire fill. We were right. texting each other. Hey, we're almost there. We're almost there. Right before our season uh, three kicked off, we hit that mark. We hit our goal. We were at over 60,000 listens um, in, in uh, two and a half seasons. Here. Right. right. Unbelievable. Being, being the competitors that we are. So 30,000 downloads, 30,000 listens in the last two years each. We've decided that our goal for season three is 100,000, Yeah, which means the only way we're going to achieve that, the stories have to be better. Uh, we have to have, you know, as many, you know, guest uh, um, podcasters on as we can. Yep. We have to take our game to the next level. And I think looking at our schedule, looking at our calendar that you, you and I have set up, I think we're ready to do it. Oh, it's, we have some really, we have some good really episodes coming up. Good episodes coming up. Yep. So 
thank you for staying with us for the first two seasons. We hope you enjoy season three as much as we've enjoyed doing, you know, seasons one and two for you. Yep. And um, yeah, let's let's get it started, Phil. The one thing I will say before we get started, because I know you have a great episode, is that it's funny how history history plays out, you know, throughout life as at, you live history. Yeah. And there are certain times where you're like, oh, that's going to be something we're going to have to teach in class. That's going to be something I remember. And obviously, here we are at September 12th, mm-hmm. uh, the recent passing of the Queen yep. this past week. And and just prior to that, actually very close in proximity, the passing of Mikhail Gorbachev um, in, the, in Russia. So, um, you know, there, there have been some really monumental things occurring in the news recently. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the things we, we tell our students all the time is that, hey, listen, history expands every single day. So it's it's so vitally important to be a current historian. You know, it, it, so much is focused on the past, obviously, as mm-hmm. a historian. But there's there's so much that is happening right now currently that you have to keep up to date with everything because things are changing, as you'll see in the next couple episodes. Right. Things are right. changing. Documents are being discovered still to this day in which, you know, things uh, that we may have presumed mm-hmm. uh, were true in years past. Things are changing a lot, right? So there's and, a little there's a little preview for a couple episodes coming up, right? There. And like we t- like to tell kids, you know, by by understanding the past, you appreciate the present even more. Yep. And I think um, hopefully in a small way, this podcast is helping uh, our listeners do that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have this episode aired uh, this coming Saturday, um, and once again, we we always just go right back to the loyal listeners of ours. Mm-hmm. It's it's like clockwork. The first couple hours of this being released. Uh, immediately we have our, our our typical fan base, which is awesome. And it, the only way we can reach these goals is because of your loyalty. So thank you, listeners. What oh, you and, think? and stay tuned because the winner of the Hometown Heroes will yes. also be revealed very shortly. Yes. So if you submitted, and there were many of you, um, we're not going to make, make you wait much longer. Yeah, good call. Yep. So, Phil, here we go. This unbelievable story takes place in the mid-19th century. Okay, set the stage here. And, of course, mid-19th century is at the height of slavery. Uh, stories of freedom, of course, that come along with it. We're on a tobacco plantation in Richmond, Virginia in the year 1848. And the focus of today's story is a man by the name of Henry Brown. Okay. okay. Now, just like uh, many slaves at that point, they have to make very chilling decisions. Uh, he's no exception. And his chilling decision is this. What would he do with his life after watching his family being sold to another slaveholder? So according to PBS Online, quote, the loss of freedom prevented him from living with his wife, Nancy, who was owned by a slave master on an adjacent plantation. She was pregnant with their fourth child when in 1848 he heard the tragic news that Nancy and his children were were to be sold to a plantation in North Carolina. He stood with tears in his eyes on the side of the street as he watched 350 slaves in chains walk by him, including his wife, with their unborn child and three young children. He could only wish them a tearful last farewell. He was helpless to save them, end quote. Now, that was hard for for me to even read. Having kids, I cannot, I don't even want to fathom something like this. Right. No, Um, and I don't think you can. I mean, it's like you very often will say to kids, you know, when we're studying the Holocaust or slavery or something like that, where it's like, can you even imagine? No, you can't. Yeah, there's no, there's no way to, to put right, the scope on right. it. So. But again, it, it kind of focuses the attention on why history is so vital and important to be learning about, you know, you're, you're buying and selling humans yes. as a commodity. Yeah. How horrible that is and how, uh, how horrible of a scenario is that, that you just outlined for right. us. 
and and the the gamut of emotions that I'm sure he was experiencing. One of them that he really focused on was anger. Mm -hmm. He was anger, angry, at, of course, at the situation, uh, and it was out of his control. There's nothing he could do, but he wanted revenge. He wanted revenge on the entire institution of slavery. So the only way to get to get even was to get back at slavery itself. So here's what he was going to do. He spent obviously months of mourning, uh, and he decided, hey, I'm going to free myself. He was a Christian man of faith. He was a member of the First African Baptist Church, where he sang in the choir. Um, and he, he kept praying for a way to escape to freedom. And he acknowledged that through his faith in God, he was given the inspiration and courage to put together, I would say, an unbelievably creative plan to escape. You ready for this? One night, he had this, this vision, this clear as day vision, vision of freedom. But how his freedom was achieved was something only dreams are made of. He told a couple of his friends this crazy plan. As the saying goes, it was crazy enough to actually work. So his friends were named Samuel and James Smith, unrelated, uh, and they both helped Henry pursue his freedom. Okay, uh, James Smith was a free black man. Sam was a white shoemaker, avid gambler, which is going to come into uh, play a little bit because he likes, you know, taking taking chances uh, and in sympathizer, of course. So here's the plan: Henry Brown would have to travel 250 miles from Virginia to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 27 hours worth, by the okay. way. Ready? In a box. His vision was that he was going to escape to freedom by being mailed. So they contacted the Philadelphia Anti-Slavery Society, and sure enough, they agreed to help. Brown and his friends hired a local carpenter, and they start building a wooden box for Brown to get mailed in. Uh, they constructed a three-foot-long, two-foot-wide, two-feet-eight-inches-deep box with a breathing hole in it, of course, and only enough room for his you know, pretzeled self a coarse woolen cloth and a small water container and a few biscuits. They tested it. Sure enough, he and his bottle of water could fit and the plan was given a green light. So Phil, on March 23rd, 1849, Brown weaves his way into this wooden box. His friends close him in with metal straps and nails holding the box together and ship them out. I love this part as dry goods. Yeah. And it makes you realize too, is that if anything goes wrong, you know, if he needs help of any kind, it's not like you can all of a sudden say, okay, open the box. Right. You know, yeah. it's, you're stuck in there. You're stuck in there for the duration of the trip until somebody else opens you up, essentially. And you got to hope that, that the people who are opening up are, are the people that agree to, you know, right. the, that are the sympathizers. Right. I was going right? to say that the risk that you're taking, but also the risk that all of your supporters Absolutely. Are, are taking as well. And I always wondered, like, how do you know? How do you know? I mean, unless he's got some sort of watch on there to, to realize, hey, it's been 27 hours. How, right. how do you know that that's who's yeah. opening the box? It's it's crazy. His concern, of course, was number one, oxygen, mm -hmm. uh, water, and remaining right side up. So I love this. To solve that, or at least mitigate the jostling, he, in fact, wrote on the side of the box, this side up. Which makes sense. Which makes yeah, sense, I right? I mean... So I always keep, I, I think back to like putting fragile or this side up, if that makes any difference to the postal worker. I was going to say, you're yeah. really, you're really banking on the post office <laughs> doing their job and, uh, and, and, you know, being aware of some of those, those signs. Because, you know, if it says fragile on the side of the box, it always comes mangled. Right. 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 And he's, he's got firsthand experience because we, we will talk about that. Okay. Um, from at least the 19th century standards. The answer is no, they don't really care about that, that writing on the side of the box. The, uh, despite the fact that it said this side up, he was tossed, thrown, rolled, uh, obviously handled pretty roughly to say the least. 
uh, in his journey, but 27 hours in a box by means of wagons, railroads, steamboats, ferries, and apart from being upside down multiple times, not passing out while hanging upside down, and during that feeling that his eyes were about to bulge out of their sockets, he makes it. I'm actually surprised that it it didn't at this point in history take longer than 27 hours. I, right? I when you said same. 27 hours, yeah. I'm thinking that's actually pretty good. I thought the same thing. Because I would have guessed it would have taken much longer than that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so PBS Online, again, uh, Henry says that he was resolved to conquer or die. I felt my eyes swelling as if they would burst from their sockets and the veins of my temples were dreadfully distended with pressure of blood upon my head. So at one point, Henry thought he, he in fact, would die. Uh, but fortunately, two men um, needed a place to sit down. Huh. And so, quote, perceiving my box, uh, standing on end, one of the men threw it down and the two sat upon it. I was thus relieved from a state of agony, which may be more imagined than described, end quote. So waiting for him in Philadelphia is, in fact, the Anti-Slavery Society members. They open the box, and to their surprise, the first words they hear were, how do you do, gentlemen? <laughs> I mean, I know. You, that would no. not be the first thing I said. It had to be so uncomfortable. I mean, it, aside be. from being, you know, on your head with the blood pumping into your, your eyes and, and, and your temples, like just the, the cramped feeling. I, I get claustrophobic. Uh, yeah. as, a, as kind of a larger man, I, I, yeah, I get claustrophobic pretty easily. I don't know why. As soon as you're told you can't stretch out, yes, you want to stretch out. Like so, when you're on a plane right. and they close the doors. What's your first thought? I know. You know what I mean? It, that's yep. the, I want to stretch out or get up on. and walk around. Yeah, yeah. So he's very grateful, obviously, as jostled as he as he was through that, that whole process. He immediately broke into song, um, which I think shows his character. This guy is unbelievable. He just endured this awful tragedy of his family, and he still breaks into song. He sang uh, Psalms 130, which reads, I waited patiently on the Lord, and he heard my prayer. And from that point on, he was no longer known as just Henry. He was Henry Box Brown. Hmm. Uh, so now you're probably waiting for me to say that uh, they all live happily ever after, but unfortunately, that's just not the case, uh, nor is it reality, of course. But his friend Samuel Smith attempted to ship more slaves, but authorities caught up and figured out that what he was doing, and he was arrested. He was sentenced to six and a half years in the state pen. Um, Henry Brown's other friend, James Smith, once again, remember, not related, was also arrested for trying to free more slaves in the same manner as Henry, but he was caught. Uh, but he fared a little bit better than Samuel. To his, to his dismay, there was a divided panel of jurors uh, in his trial, and he was eventually released and later jo- uh, joined his buddy, Henry Brown, in Boston. Over the last two seasons, we've enjoyed bringing unknown stories from history to you every weekend. Now it's your turn to bring a story to us. Every town in every corner of the world has a story, and its history is our history. Tell us the story about your hometown and what makes it special or unique. We're calling it Hometown History. Who or what is your town known for? Tell us your hometown story either in an email or a voice message from our Facebook page. Phil and I will choose one hometown's history to research and profile in a full episode of Season 3 of The Missing Chapter. And we'll contact you to be a part of it. Every hometown has a story. The next chapter we add to the history textbooks could be yours. All right, welcome back from the break. Phil, I think where my mind is going might be where our listeners' minds have gone to. 
Number one is if his objective was to gain his freedom, he's obviously made his way to Boston. Does he remain free? Mm. You know, how, how does the rest of his life play out? Mm-hmm. And is he ever reunited? That would be kind of a storybook ending. I kind of, I, if he's reunited with his family, but I'm guessing that's not really where this story is headed. Unfortunately, I will answer the second question right away. He is not rejoined with his family. Does he um, have any idea as to what happens to them? I did a lot of research. Yeah. And the, his story is so fascinating that the, the unfortunately, the focus is more on his travels. Mm-hmm than his uh, rejoining with his family. It, it, there's really no evidence to suggest that he even reached out, right. which there's a little controversy behind that mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, from a historian's perspective, we, we have to think contextually and knowing how unbelievable the story was. Right. How is he going to keep this quiet? You know what I mean? Like, how is he going to pursue this process and, and keep it from, you know, this gateway to freedom, keep it from being this new way, this new path of freedom, you know, through mail, and of course, I'm thinking if Henry Brown could do it, then, you know, why couldn't I do it if I'm a slave? So I'm sure many thought that. And the abolitionist movement held two opposing points of view. Frederick Douglass wanted Henry Brown's escape not to be made public, as others could use the same method too often. And eventually the opposite outcome would take place. You know, so however, there's other people that thought the more people who heard about this would actually help the movement from growing, uh, you know, the growing number of people who opposed slavery. Mm-hmm. So Henry Box Brown couldn't keep his story secret. All right. It's just too unbelievable. He actually profited off it. Oh, wow. Uh, his freedom included him traveling all over and performing skits, singing psalms that he recited when he opened the box to freedom, making a, a pretty decent living. But unfortunately, as, as much as people supported his freedom while he was still a slave, not many people supported his freedom after he became a free man. They criticized his focus on his performances rather than his focus, as we mentioned, on finding and reuniting with his family. Wow. Yeah. So um, that story did not go in the direction I had anticipated. I, I wish I had a better answer. Uh, That's surprising. Answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, but nevertheless, he was a symbol of the Underground Railroad Freedom Movement. He was certainly courageous, obviously creative. Um, and he knew in order to survive in the free world, he had to reinvent himself mm-hmm. and take some chances, to say the least. And his act of faith, which he credits God for giving him the idea of the box, and mailing himself out was a prime example of not only the desperation of those men and women seeking freedom, but how true faith can make the impossible, uh, impossible possible. As he said, um, when he, once he tasted freedom, quote, continue to command me now as a, as a free man to do the impossible. I, I think this is a story of, you know, I, uh, sometimes we, we've mentioned before that I don't know if, if someone who's never tasted freedom, how they handle it once they get it, you know? So I think that's why, uh, when we talk about, um, you know, communist countries going free, a lot of these people don't know exactly what to do with the freedom. I think he was that that's an example of that here because he had been uh, a slave his entire life. He experienced freedom and didn't know what to do with it. Would he take, take his chances and go back to reunite with his family or would he would try to reinvent himself and enjoy his freedom? And the extents that people will go to taste that freedom yeah. and how fortunate we are to be born, you know, into a free society. Absolutely. Yeah. It puts things in perspective. Absolutely. And I, I don't think you'll ever look at a, uh, a box that says this side up ever the same. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, I'm Phil Horander and I'm Phil Schaff. Another chapter has been added to the history textbooks.